Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. South Korean and U.S. military set to launch a large-scale annual military drill this week. Rich Thomason has more. Dubbed Freedom Shield, the operation is a response to North Korea's evolving nuclear threat. It's a command post training exercise involving computer simulations and will coincide with separate field exercises held jointly by the two militaries. The drills are set to begin Monday and will run through the 14th of the month. Pyongyang has been angered by such drills in the past, viewing them as an invasion rehearsal. Rich Thomason reporting. That mammoth blizzard raging through the Sierra Nevada mountains along a stretch of I-80 in Northern California has closed tens of thousands of homes without power. And crews still battling that huge wildfire in Texas. At least two people have been killed. This is SRN News. Mark Levin sees yet another power grab. This is an attack on the First Amendment. This is an attack on our electoral system. What you're seeing here, Jack Smith, at the behest of Merrick Garland, are seizing the electoral power from the American people in Congress for themselves. They are seizing the power to decide what will and will not fly in elections. Mark Levin, weeknights at 8 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. If you're looking for a news channel that loves America and is not afraid to admit it, check out SalemNewsChannel.com, where you can actually watch your favorite hosts like Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Brandon Tatum, and Sebastian Gorka, all on a channel that believes freedom of speech and religion are a fundament to what we do. We put truth ahead of agenda and won't be bullied by big tech. Now, from WWTC Studios, we have your weather forecast. We're seeing mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 36. Slight chance of snow tomorrow between 9 and noon with highs of 48. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with hour number two of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook and do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network and give our page a like or a follow if you haven't done so already. And we do have the live stream of the broadcast up and running right now, so feel free to uh, watch the broadcast and leave a comment or question there. And as always... Excuse me, we appreciate you tuning in as uh, we are in the 20th anniversary weekend of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And that doesn't happen by accident, folks. You, the listeners that keep tuning in, keep us on the air, and uh, we are eternally grateful for that. Well, folks, we want to take a transition right now and welcome to the broadcast our first guest, uh, Dr. David Beto, who is a senior fellow at the Independent Institute and Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama. I want to have Dr. Beto on the program today to talk about his latest book. He's authored several books, but I want to talk about his latest one, and that is a book entitled uh, The New Deal's War on the Bill of Rights, The Untold Story of FDR's Concentration Camps, Censorship, and Mass Surveillance. 
Obviously, if you've uh, been in American history class, you undoubtedly heard about the presidency of the FDR and navigating some undeniably difficult times in American history like the Great Depression and World War II. But it seems like his uh, presidential administration uh, was lionized quite a bit. But Dr. Beto is here, I guess, to kind of give a counterpoint to that. So we are honored to welcome to the broadcast the aforementioned Dr. David Beto. Uh, Mr. Beto, welcome to the broadcast, sir. How are you? Well, thank you for inviting me, and it's pleasant to talk to somebody in my hometown. I grew up in uh, in uh, Robbinsdale and then Crystal. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, it's unseasonably warm here today, uh, Dr. Beto. Going to get close to 70 degrees. You remember that kind of weather uh, early March back in the day? <laughs> it's kind of weather I've got around here now, right? <laughs> well, we, we appreciate that, and uh, yeah, we're, so we, it's not, we're enjoying it as much as we can because it certainly is not a regular occurrence. Well, uh, I guess welcome home, sir. We're uh, grateful that you're able to uh, uh, join us today. Obviously, uh, we're having you on, Dr. Beto, to talk about your book. Uh, the New Deal's War on the Bill of Rights. Now, when talking about the FDR administration, as I alluded to, it seems to me his administration lionized quite a bit, again, navigating through the difficulties of of the Great Depression, of course, World War II and all that. And and certainly that's an unenviable position to be in. Uh, But we have heard, at least to some extent, about the internment camps where Japanese Americans were held in internment camps for uh, quite a number of years, and it almost seems like, Dr. Beto, that, yeah, that's acknowledged, but given what FDR had to go through and what he accomplished in his three full terms, died early in his fourth term, uh, we, we we can kind of maybe brush that aside as one of the negatives, and it, it is, it's kind of glossed over. Do you kind of get that sense, and thus that's one of the motivations for writing this book, Dr. Beto? Yeah, it is glossed over, and, and interestingly enough, FDR called them concentration camps, called them that as late as 1944. Um, he, kept, he kept the uh, Japanese-Americans there uh, basically till the end of his life, didn't start the releases until the end of 1944, even though many of his advisors thought he could have done it much earlier. Yeah, he, it, it is portrayed as a negative in American history textbooks, but there's always kind of um, an excuse attached to it. They're usually... And it said, well, he was busy, he was distracted, he was caught up in the hysteria of the moment. And what I show in the book is that FDR was very much hands-on when it came to uh, Japanese internment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an idea that he was sympathetic to, really sympathetic to even before the war, in the event of war. Um, and he didn't have to do it. His own attorney general opposed it and pointed out that there really wasn't a, a big public demand for it. Um, the initial response of most American newspapers and so forth, even in California, was, well, they're American citizens. We can't you know, do this to American citizens. So a lot of excuses are made for FDR, like he shouldn't have done it, but he had to do it. It's <laughs> sort of the implication you get if you look at history textbooks. Well, you- and they also don't connect it to his other policies, and that's one of the things I've done in this book. It is a big part of a puzzle, if you want to say a puzzle of his Bill of Rights record, it's a big piece, but it's one of many pieces. So obviously, you know, you alluded to about how many of his administration um, maybe didn't have the desire to do it, didn't think it was necessary to do it. Uh, in in your research, Dr. Beta, were you able to glean maybe FDR's personal motivation for wanting to do that? I mean, I, or did he ever publicly indicate why he would uh, uh, commit such policies? Well, if you look back, he used to write, FDR used to be an op-ed writer. He wrote for a publication called the Macon Daily Telegraph, sort of before he was governor of New York and after he was vice president. And in this, he wrote a series of articles about the Japanese Americans in California. And he basically said in them, he basically said, California is right to deny uh, Japanese American immigrants the right to own land. It is the Mm -hmm. right to prohibit interracial marriage. It is right to uh, bar them for their immigration. So he's not a very friendly doesn't have a very friendly attitude towards Japanese Americans. So he isn't, he isn't a sympathizer, you know, in that sense. I would say FDR is very much somebody that he's, he, he doesn't think a lot about issues such as due process, and you can't do that to American citizens. And even his own advisors comment on this, um, that it's just, he doesn't have that kind of, uh, sensitivity 
um, there. So he's not predisposed against it. In a lot of ways, he's predisposed for it. And in the 1930s, he had written his advisors that if we have war with Japan, any Japanese American who had greeted Japanese sailors, who had met Japanese sailors, should be immediately put into a concentration camp in the event of war. So he's got that predis predisposition. But he's not a very tolerant fellow when it comes to race issues. And that's not just true for Japanese Americans. Obviously, in the, within the title of the book, you're talking about the untold story of FDR's concentration camps, censorship, and mass surveillance. You've done a nice job, obviously, uh, kind of recounting the concentration camps. What you know, FDR's own words. I mean, they're famously re referred to as internment camps, but he specifically called them concentration camps. So what about censorship? What was it? What was the mindset? The context of which his administration enacted censorship. We see it happening today and in real time, and we see it through whether it be social media platforms when objectionable information that goes against the government narrative. I mean, we've heard about how the Biden administration kind of colluded with Twitter in uh, regarding COVID, uh, what they deemed COVID misinformation or flagging certain posts for COVID misinformation. Obviously, that kind of technology was not around in the 30s and 40s. So what context was uh, the Roosevelt administration enacting censorship, uh, Dr. Beto? Yeah, it's very similar in a lot of ways to what you see. If you were, you know, ever read the Twitter files, you're going to see some interesting parallels. FDR would would use agencies such as the Federal Communications Commission, but he would use often use more indirect methods, uh, warnings, kind of creating a climate of fear because uh, stations had to renew their licenses every six months. So that made them very skittish about doing anything to offend the administration. But basically through use of donors, through indirect pressure, through all of these methods, FDR was basically able to force all anti-Roosevelt uh, radio commentators off the major networks by 1938. They're all off. Now you find them in some of the smaller stations and smaller networks, but the big networks are where most people get their information. They're all off. Now, that's a contrast to the print press. The print press is very much opposed to Roosevelt. They, most of the print press opposed him in each of his elections. But radio is his domain. He controls it, and there is no anti-New Deal voices left as radio commentators. But it's done a lot of ways through various methods, which I describe in the book. But there, some of them are quite familiar right? Calling people in, contacting them, letting them know you really don't want to have this person anymore. Uh, they're creating trouble and forcing them out that way. What was the uh, state of the country like back, back at that point? I mean, obviously, the, looking back in history, I mean, was, it, was there a situation where, um, where people were aware of Roosevelt's policies regarding, say, uh, surveillance or concentration camps and then yet we're saying oh well we certainly understand given the times we live in extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures or were people just not aware of it because of uh maybe the tactics enacted by the roosevelt administration through censorship what was i guess i guess what i'm asking is obviously he won four different elections and I would think, uh, I don't know what opposition research was like back in those days of presidential campaigns, but certainly this is something that his opponent could have used against him if it would have resonated with the country. I mean, I guess, what was the mindset of the citizens back then? Were they more um, uh, tolerant of these kind of actions? So what can you tell us about that? Well, that's a very pertinent question because it, it, it Roosevelt is a master at deniability, at at, at handling things privately. He's very different than Trump in that way. Mm. <laughs> there are similarities between them right. because Roosevelt's uh, fireside chats are kind of his version of Twitter. Um, but there are differences, and, and one is that Roosevelt is a master of doing things behind the scenes and creating a, a degree of uh, distance. Uh, probably the the most significant example of surveillance and to some extent this phenomenon was a congressional committee that Roosevelt basically was behind setting up called the Black Committee. It was chaired by Senator Hugo Black of Alabama. And they were investigating, again, this is at Roosevelt's behest, but this isn't the kind of thing he comments on publicly, to investigate anti-New Deal organizations. And they're having real trouble. The committee is having trouble because there's pushback. So they get the idea of the chair of the committee, 
goes to the FCC and he says, I want to get copies of the private telegrams of all the witnesses. Now, telegrams mm -hmm. are over 50% of communication, long distance communication during this period. They are the email, they are the text message of their time. They're instantaneous. People say a lot of things in telegrams that they wouldn't say in private correspondence. They don't tend to save telegrams. A lot of interesting parallels. Uh, so they're able to go to the uh, telegraph companies who have to keep copies of all the telegrams, and they go to them and basically the administration, the Federal Communications Commission tells them, you have to cooperate with the Black Committee. They want copies of private telegrams of witnesses. And how many telegrams do they get? They go into the headquarters of these companies, they begin a search, they go through thousands every day, these staffers, the committee staffers, FCC people, and they eventually search through over 3 million telegrams. That's why I use the term mass surveillance. Three million telegrams. That would be comparable to, you know, going and looking at three million emails. And, and this isn't even without a subpoena. This is just like, for example, in the first search, they looked at every telegram sent by every member of Congress out of Washington for a nine-month period. Every telegram. And they looked through them, and they looked through potentially damaging information. Um, so this is an example of surveillance, and people connected to the New Deal because the anti-New Deal organizations are being targeted, but Roosevelt is very good about sort of keeping some distance, like, well, this is Congress. This is Congress doing this investigation. Mm -hmm. But Roosevelt had really set this committee up, and there's some evidence that I, I think is out there that Roosevelt had privy to these private telegrams and used that information. Once again, we are chatting with Dr. David Beto. He, a senior fellow at the Independent Institute and professor emeritus at the University of Alabama, talking about his book, The New Deal's War on the Bill of Rights, The Untold Story of FDR's Concentration Camps, Censorship, and Mass Surveillance. Uh, Dr. Beto, we need to take a quick break. Any chance you can hold We're one more segment with us? Sure. Fantastic. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Dr. David Beto on the other side of this break. And uh, we are free to take your phone calls if you'd like to weigh in. 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Or check out our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page where we have a live stream of the broadcast up and running. Brad Carlson, the closer, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Did you hear Michelle Tafoya interview Al Michaels? What about Bob Costas? Hear her fascinating take on those two and more on the Salem Podcast Network. Hear intelligent radio through your smart speaker. Just say, play, play the, the Patriot, Patriot Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Are you sick of all the fancy charts and investment mumbo-jumbo thrown at you to justify the Wall Street fees you're being charged? It's not the size of your nest egg that matters, but rather the income it can produce. Hi, I'm Mitch Lyons, best-selling author and star in a brand-new Hollywood documentary called The Retirement Deception. In this film, we traveled over 20,000 miles interviewing real Americans who have retired successfully with a great lifestyle and peace of mind. They share their stories on how they get more retirement income with the same dollar saved, and the money is never at risk if the market crashes. That's right. If the market crashes 30%, you lose nothing. Even the super wealthy are shifting money into this new strategy because it increases their retirement income or can allow them to stop working years sooner. So if you are over 50 and want a bigger, better, stress-free retirement, call today to speak to a specialist and get a free copy of this brand new movie, The Retirement Deception. Call 888-365-1409. This is a $30 value, but when you call today, you get it completely free. So don't delay. Call right now, 888-365-1409. That's 888-365-1409. It's game day at Jim's house, and the spread is impressive. Mike's already done some damage with the hot wings, and now he's dropping back and going deep for another slice of pizza. I sure hope he brought the Pepto. Mike knows the Pepto-Bismol provides fast, five-symptom relief from unexpected stomach upsets. He's no rookie. <laughs> the way he's throwing back those nachos, he's the GOAT. Be ready for game day with Pepto-Bismol. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. 
Did you know one of the best investments you can make? It's in yourself. At My Computer Career, in just a few months, you could start your new career in the high-demand, recession-resistant field of information technology. Isn't it time you invest in you and start a career in networking, cybersecurity, AI, or upskill to boost your current IT career? So, get the ROI you deserve at My Computer Career. No experience necessary. Start now at mycomputercareer.edu. Financial aid is available for qualified students, including the GI Bill. Did you know that there's one place you can go to hear God's words of hope spoken into your life anytime, anywhere? Oneplace.com Listen to your favorite Christian programs, read daily devotionals, and get answers to your tough questions all at Oneplace.com or on the Oneplace app in the Apple and Android app stores. Visit Oneplace.com today. If you can snap your fingers, you can find this radio station. The next time you want to listen to us, your smartphone is now your smart radio. We're always on. It's as simple as this. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. That's play the Patriot Minneapolis. Hey, welcome back. AM1280, the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. You got a fast car. I want to take it to anywhere. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for comments or questions. You can also check out our live stream at our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give our page a like or a follow if you haven't done so already. And uh, feel free to tune into the live stream, as has our friend Wild Wilson. Wild down in Texas, checking in and saying hello. Wild, thanks as always for your support, sir. And uh, we are continuing our discussion with our guest, uh, Dr. David Beto. Again, he's a senior fellow at the Independent Institute. He uh, is uh, talking about his new book, The New Deal's War on the Bill of Rights, The Untold Story of FDR's Concentration Camps, Censorship, and Mass Surveillance. Uh, Dr. Beto, we uh, we left off last segment with you talking about part of the mass surveillance that the Roosevelt administration undertook was perusing over uh, several uh, million telegrams, because, of course, back in the 30s and 40s, that was the uh, preferred method of communication. You want to communicate via long distance or basically the uh, predominant method of chat. Uh, Were there uh, such things? I mean, we we experienced kind of what we experienced uh, with the deep state and whistleblowers that, you know, blow the whistle on nefarious uh, government behavior. Was there any such uh, enterprising individuals uh, back in those days that you know of, uh, Dr. Beto? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because in some ways the deep state was more pro-civil liberties, more pro-Bill of Rights than uh, than Roosevelt was. Mm. Um, if you want to call it a deep state, the bureaucracy, I guess you could call sure. it. Um, there was, you know, people like J. Edgar Hoover, for example, was against Japanese internment. Roosevelt's attorney general a lot of the top officials in the Justice Department and in the in the military were were against internment. A lot of them were much more tolerant on civil liberties. So Roosevelt is a lot different than Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson um, deserves a bad rap, but it's fair to say that what Wilson did is he sort of put trust in his advisors. And sometimes Wilson would even say, do you have to really censor that person? And the attorney general said, we do, and Wilson would back off. In Roosevelt, it's the opposite. He's constantly putting pressure on subordinates to go further in violating the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment than they want to do. Um, He's putting pressure on his attorney general to prosecute leading publishers, like the publisher of the Chicago Tribune or the uh, New York Daily News. These are big metropolitan newspapers with millions of subscribers. He wants to prosecute them. Why? Because those publishers had opposed his policies before the war. When Pearl Harbor happens, however, they unite behind the administration. But he still holds a grudge. Um, so it's a bit different, and in some sense, I could you could say that the bureaucracy is more more pro civil liberties, um, which is not something that you're necessarily going to get now. I, I guess how are these uh, 
and you know, let's let's call them for for what they are. These uh, indiscretions by a presidential administration. From your vast research, Doctor Beto, when did you ascertain that these were first uh, discovered? Because I would think, I mean, I'll just be blunt: there are statues that are built in honor of FDR, and there have been statues of historical figures that have been ripped down by activists for far less atrocities than what we're hearing you describe uh, FDR. So. Were, were these always kind of an open secret? People just looked the other way because of the uh, what he could, what was considered the noble work he did in ending World War II? I mean, uh, or was this just kind of discovered through your vast research? What can you tell us about that aspect of it? Well, the, the Japanese internment was known, sure. but I don't think, I mean, it was known by some scholars. Uh, the His FDR's sort of role in it, I don't think has been really fully discussed by most scholars. And I think there's a lot more there than people might realize. Yeah, I think people would overlook it. Um, uh, interesting example is, is uh, Francis Biddle. FDR's attorney general who opposed Japanese internment. FDR did, wanted to put all these people up on sedition charges. Biddle opposed him for the most part. Yet he wrote a book in which he has this damning information about FDR and dedicated to FDR, right? So there's a compartmentalization. A lot of these people like his New Deal policies. They might like his policies, you know, his foreign policy. And they kind of overlooked this other stuff. Uh, historians have sort of gone the same way. Now, it is interesting that, uh, you know, but on some issues, historians wrote very little at all, such as the Black Committee. I didn't know what the Black Committee was until, you know, I started my research. And I started to look into this and said, what's this Black Committee? Conservatives are always complaining about it. In the 50s, you get conservatives complaining about the Black Committee techniques. And I finally you know, realize this was a headline story in 1936. And especially after the information broke, you had major newspapers like the Washington Post condemning the administration um, for this this, uh, surveillance of private telegrams. The media was a lot more willing, including New Deal Democrats. Many of them were willing to criticize the administration. There were a lot of people on the left they were willing to criticize Roosevelt's civil liberties positions. It's a big difference with today, I think. We only have about uh, a minute or two remaining with our guest, Dr. David Beto, again talking about his book, The New Deal's War uh, on the Bill of Rights. I guess uh, just kind of um, your personal opinion, Dr. Beto, I get, when we, I mean, I remember uh, hearing about FDR's administration in American history class and in high school, and like I say, there were documentaries that were done on him, and, and a lot of them were very flattering, like I say, lionizing his administration, as I also alluded to. There are statues that are built in his honor. Um, is it because of a lot of the progressive domestic policies, particularly the crown jewel of, of Social Security, that people are looking the other way, or is it just maybe they just didn't know as well and had required the research that you put into it? What's kind of your personal opinion on that? I think it's a combination, but FDR is a very charming man. I mean, uh, someone said that if he had uh, not been president, he could have made a good living as a radio commentator. Mm. He had that radio voice. He was disarming, right? He would make jokes, but they were subtle. He would disarm opponents. Um, he was he was brilliant, and uh, no one, and I would even, you know, I think Reagan was a master of rhetoric, but no one quite equals FDR's ability to sell something um, through this sort of uh, this sort of re- the rhetoric. Um, I think that's a lot that has to do with it. Um, you know, we got out of the depression, the war. Uh, basically, we came out of depression not until the war, but people kind of forgot that we were in a depression all the way through the 1930s. So people look back on that and they think, well, we're not in a depression anymore. <laughs> We eventually got prosperity, and they kind of give FDR credit for it. Um, And he was very lucky. His timing was often really quite good. Bad things would tend to happen sometimes, you know, just after the election. (laughs) And so he he was very uh, lucky, but he was very brilliant uh, as a master manipulator, but also as someone who could go to the public and sell anything. 
Again, the book, The New Deal's War on the Bill of Rights, The Untold Story of FDR's Concentration Camps, Censorship, and Mass Surveillance. Uh, speaking with the book's author, Dr. David Beto, a senior fellow at the Independent Institute. Dr. Beto, we appreciate the time today. Uh, real quick, uh, logistical housekeeping items. Uh, where can people find the book? I'm assuming it anywhere you find your favorite books? You can find it on Amazon, but you go, I would recommend order it through Independent Institute. Go to independent.org. And you can get it there, but you can get it on Amazon as well. Fantastic. And uh, I have also a uh, link to independent.org, uh, the specific link for the book at uh, bradcarlson.org. So, folks, if you want to go check it out there, as well as uh, Dr. Beto's background, you uh, certainly can feel free to do so. Once again, Dr. Beto, we appreciate your time today, sir. Thank you so much for the uh, very interesting insights on a uh, undeniably a historical and transformative president. We appreciate your time today, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, with me, Brad Carlson, the closer. Back with a, another segment on the broadcast in mere moments. Again, six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag Narn Show, or go to the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Give us a like or a follow if you haven't done so already, and follow the live stream of the broadcast and leave a comment or question there as well. Back in mere moments, go nowhere. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with the feel better or your money back guarantee. That number, 1-800, the number 4, RELIEF relieffactor.com. Mike Gallagher here. More than 200 members of Congress are standing up for AM radio listeners. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act will keep AM radio in cars because when cell and internet services are down, this free service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress to pass this critical legislation now. Text AM to 52886 or visit dependonam.com for more information. That's dependonam.com for more details. Message and data rates may apply, and you may text STOP to STOP. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, America is giving away its inventions and technology to China. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. The shocking new movie, Innovation Race, exposes the potential Chinese takeover of 5G and the Internet, threatening America's economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. Watch the movie, Innovation Race, now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks always for tuning in. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. 
It's hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for comments or questions. And you can also check us out on Facebook. Just do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And uh, give us a like or a follow if you haven't done so already. And as always, we thank you for tuning in. Going to take a transition now to our next guest. And we are honored to be speaking with uh, Captain Josh Polanco. He, the Salvation Army Twin Cities Commander. Uh, He's calling in to tout the uh, annual Salvation Army Food Drive, which is taking place, well, right now through uh, March 28th. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, Captain Polanco to, uh, you know, get some insight on how you, the listeners, uh, can support this fine organization. Of course, we here at Salem Media Group Twin Cities do anything we can to uh, support the endeavors of the Salvation Army and have been proud to partner with them for many, many years. So with that, we are honored to be joined by the aforementioned Captain Josh Polanco. Uh, Captain, good to have you on the broadcast today, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Brad. You bet. Uh, I guess um, before we get into the annual food drive and uh, how folks uh, can uh, get more involved, why don't you, uh, uh, Captain Polanco, talk a little bit about yourself, how you got uh, started with the organization, and uh, I guess how you got to be the uh, Salvation Army Twin Cities Commander. Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's been a leading of God for uh, for many years from uh, from childhood. I always had a heart for people and for helping humanity. And uh, back in college, the Lord uh, led me uh, to the Salvation Army through a youth ministry uh, that I was uh, running outside of the Salvation Army, actually. The uh, ministry had to close because the church ran out of funding. And the mm. Salvation Army heard of our young people. They were at risk kids in the south side of Chicago that needed a home and a place to be uh, ministered to, and the Salvation Army adopted us. And that's how I came to uh, be exposed to the Salvation Army years later, became a Salvation Army officer, and today I'm the Twin City Commander here in the Twin Cities. Fantastic. The uh, testimony to uh, uh, reaching out to the uh, uh, to the youth groups of our uh, of our American churches, that's a wonderful testimony, uh, Captain Palago. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, uh, obviously, uh, we've got the annual food drive going on with the Salvation Army. A lot of folks are familiar, of course, with the Salvation Army around Christmas time. They see people, volunteers outside uh, grocery stores, other establishments, uh, ringing the bells uh, near the red kettles. That certainly is a staple of what the Salvation Army does. But certainly they do so much more than that. And this annual food drive obviously is something uh, that uh, takes place around this uh, time of year. Uh, this year, more than ever, uh, Captain Polanco, we've seen some rather uh, sobering statistics uh, in a country like America, where you think about uh, how people have incredible opportunities. The fact that there are families that are still suffering from food insecurity, uh, very sobering statistics. Why don't you share some of those with that? And um, obviously the uh, uh, the undertaking that you're going with with this uh, particular food drive. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, my heart hurts for families, uh, our neighbors. You would have thought that after the pandemic, things would have gotten better. Uh, mm-hmm. We knew that we faced a lot of food insecurities during those years. Um, but but in the last three years, we've noticed that visits to the local food pantries around our nation have increased from 3.5 million to last year, 7.5 million visits. And you wonder why. I believe we're in a perfect storm for hunger. Three-fourths of U.S. households are reporting that they're living paycheck to paycheck, which means they're one unexpected bill away from not being able to stay housed or to be able to have the food that they need to sustain their families. Uh, It is critical more than ever to uh, have food drives such as this one. This is our fourth annual. Last year, we raised 2.2 million pounds. This year, we we hope that we can raise more because the need is actually greater. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the pandemic. You know, I've I've seen some of these statistics as well. I mean, right around the pandemic and immediately after the year after, you know, the the number of visits uh, made to food shelves. I mean, you document in 2023 alone at seven and a half million. That's, I believe, more than double what we saw during the pandemic and the aftermath. So that really tells you uh, that this is a borderline crisis situation. Uh, Are to what do you attribute this to, I guess, Captain Plago? What are your folks hearing at the Salvation Army when families come in? I mean, are they sharing their testimony or how they got to the point that they did? I mean, is it, is it just as simple as you indicated that they're, uh, that they're just living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, do they kind of share their testimony about how they get into such dire straits with you folks? 
Well, some of it has to do with the 40-year high inflation that, that we've had, mm. causing most families to uh, spend 800 to $1,000 more on just basic basic bills. Um, and um, so that that's causing a havoc. But we also see families that are struggling with terminal illnesses, um, you know, different family dynamics and situations that are causing them to have to use food shelves. I myself, our family went through a period of time years ago where uh, we were working, you know, we're educated, um, and yet we went through a period of time where my my wife lost her job, I lost mine. We had to rely on food shelves, and we spent almost two years having to utilize a couple of food shelves in our area. That was very hard for us, um, in some ways embarrassing for us. But nowadays we're seeing that food shelves are not just for the poor, but also the working class are now becoming the working poor mm. as a result of the inflation and everything else that our country has gone through in the last few years. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you indicate how the, how difficult that is for a family to, to swallow their pride because you look at it and say, well, we're, a, we're two able-bodied working adults and suddenly we've gone through whatever it may be, a job loss or, as you alluded to, an unexpected expense that has hit the family. And so you think about how the number of visits to food shelves doubled in like a three, four-year span, and it also makes you wonder how many aren't willing to swallow their pride and go to these food shelves for the very reason you stated. I mean, it it, it probably could be even more so utilized than it already is. Uh, yes, I, I believe so. I believe that there are families that uh, will not utilize the food shelf just because they don't want to be seen at a food shelf. But I'll tell you, uh, we have children that are living in these homes. They don't know the difference, right? right. Um, all they can see is that there's no food on the table, and yet we're we're feeding them basically junk food, just the cheapest food we can find to stay afloat when we know that there are organizations like the Salvation Army that are doing everything in their power along with our neighbors to collect food and make donations so that we can provide the essential uh, nutritious food that families could use during this, these difficult times. Speaking with Captain Josh Polanco, he, the Salvation Army Twin Cities commander, talking about the organization's annual food drive, which, again, has already started and will go through March 28th. Okay, Captain Polanco, uh, people have heard the statistics, they've heard our conversation, and obviously there are plenty of members of our audience who have the resources that want to uh, help out, pitch in, in any way possible, what are some of the uh, things that our audience could do to to help out this endeavor? Obviously, the, the, the easy answer is, is donate food. Could there also be financial resources, uh, volunteerism? Uh, why don't you share with our audience uh, that are enterprising, wanting to do more? Yes, I will say all, all of the above. Uh, families can host their own food drives or they can partner with their churches or service clubs in the neighborhood to uh, collect non-perishable, non-expired food. And they, are, they can bring them, drop them off at any of our 75 convenient locations throughout the Twin Cities. A list of those locations can be found on SalvationArmyNorth.org. But you can also go online and donate at SalvationArmyNorth.org. Uh, we are able to purchase food uh, at, at better prices and, and secure more food than maybe a private person can by going to a grocery store. $25 will feed a hungry family of three for, for five days. Uh, and so we encourage people to donate online or even sign up to volunteer. We need help unloading delivery vehicles, weighing food, stocking shelves, uh, and even more. Yeah, all excellent points. And, and, and folks, you know, and I know there's some folks in our audience, you know, they may be going through some tough times, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, don't have the extra resources. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, even if you don't have the extra resources, they could use your able body ability to, as you indicated, uh, Captain Polanco, unloading uh, delivery vehicles, you know, whether it's weighing food, stocking shelves, so much more. And as uh, Captain Polanco indicated, go to SalvationArmyNorth.org to find out more information. And uh, there's also, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, a Captain Polanco list of your pop-up events that are going to be taking place throughout the month where uh, different locations, different grocery stores where people can uh, drop off food or maybe get engaged. Yes, we just had one uh, yesterday at Cup Food in Egan, and we have three more. One on March 13th, Cup Food Maple Grove. One on March 23rd at the Cup Foods in Oakdale. And March 26th at the Lunds and Byerleys in Roseville. And so, yes, please go on Salvation Army North. Right when you click on there, uh, you're, you're going to see front and center everything related to this uh, food drive. Fantastic. All uh, 
Appreciate the uh, uh, very pertinent information here, Captain Polanco. We only have about a minute or two remaining. Uh, any other final words, uh, thoughts uh, that you'd like to uh, share with our audience in this uh, very important endeavor that your uh, fantastic organization is uh, undertaking? Uh, please feel free. Yeah, so I, I would like to speak to those uh, that are struggling right now and might be uh, hearing my voice today. I, I've had many conversations with families that struggle with utilizing food shelves for the reasons that we've already spoken about. I've had personal conversations with a few of them, and I've said, look, today is you, tomorrow it may be me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is no shame. Uh, just reach out and uh, take advantage of really the generosity of neighbors that are coming together to support one another. We need to love one another and support one another. And like I said, today is you, tomorrow it may be me. Captain Josh Polanco, Salvation Army Twin Cities Commander, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Great information, and uh, we'll point people to the website, SalvationArmyNorth.org. Have a great rest of your day. God bless you and your family and uh, your colleagues at the Salvation Army. We appreciate the work you do and the opportunity to partner with you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. One final segment on the broadcast coming up. Go nowhere. iBelieve.com helps women wrestle with the deeper issues of their faith. Drop by for blogs and daily devotionals for women, plus articles on relationships, health and beauty, parenting, and more. At iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. iBelieve.com. Are you looking for a quick, honest assessment with no pressure sales for your roofing, siding, or gutter project? Hey, it's Matthew with the Kingdom Builders Roofing, your local Minnesota-grown contractor. We hear it all the time. Our customers appreciate our quality of work and how we genuinely care about them and their project. Our crews are great to work with, easy to schedule, and we show up on time. If you're looking for a no-obligation consultation, visit thekingdombuilders.com to learn more. That's thekingdombuilders.com. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, Being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks always for tuning in. Hey, we still got time for your phone calls. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. 
And you can also uh, check out our Facebook page. Just do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Give our page a like or follow if you haven't done so already. As I am here closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network programming. Hey, don't forget. You can check out our friend and colleague King Banyan on our sister station, AM 1440, The Biz. It's the King Banyan Show, heard Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. And right here on these very airwaves, AM 1280, The Patriot, you can hear Mitch Berg every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. He is the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance, followed immediately by Jack Tomzak and his cast of thousands for the Jack Tomzak Show. That's 3 to 5 on Saturdays. And then me, the closer, Brad Carlson, closing out weekend programming on the Narn, Sundays, 1 to 3 p.m. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, you know, I've kind of got a uh, little reminiscent on this uh, broadcast, you know, today. As I've been kind of saying in a few different segments, this is the 20th anniversary weekend of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Yeah, their debut was Saturday, March 6, 2004, and uh, much different time 20 years ago politically. I'll I'll just say that much. That would be a whole show in and of itself. The issues we were discussing in 2004 compared to modern day, it just it's almost unrecognizable, uh, a lot of aspects of this country. And we've been there every step of the way, the good, the bad, and the ugly, talking about it here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I've been a member of the NARN uh, for the majority of its 20-year run, uh, 13 years in June to be exact, and I, I started out as a listener. I first was informed of this program, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, probably the summer of 2004, so a few months after they got started. Uh, I was a fan of conservative talk radio. Rush Limbaugh, you know, as I've talked about many times, was uh, my radio icon, someone that I looked up to and admired tremendously. Uh, He helped me in my political transformation when I was just a, you know, just— mindless Democrat voter. I'm not saying all Democrats are mindless. Don't don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that the only political example I had were my dad and my paternal grandmother. They were very passionate about leftist politics. And I said, well, it's my dad and my grandmother, and they're the, really the only ones talking about this, so I'll just do what they do. I mean, you do what your, you, you know, you know, your family does a lot of times because I, you know, I loved and respected dearly my, my dad and, and my grandmother. Uh, but then I started to hear different sides, and someone introduced me to Rush Limbaugh, and I listened, you know, half-heartedly, you know, because he came off as very pompous and arrogant, but I found him oddly intriguing. And then I started to—then he had a TV program. This was the early 90s, and then I read his books, and that kind of evolved to where in 1992, for the first time in, in my life— now I, I first became eligible to vote in 1988, so this was only my uh, second presidential election, 1992, where I was eligible to vote, and I supported the re-election of George H.W. Bush. Of course, he lost to Bill Clinton, uh, but ever since then, I've been voting primarily for Republican candidates. So, you know, Occasionally, I'll vote for Libertarian or Constitution Party candidates and maybe an independent candidate here or there, but never, never de- Democrats, never Democrats ever since then. And to know that there was local programming who talked about conservative issues in a way that the Northern Alliance Radio Network did, I was excited. And, again, Mitch, who is still with us 20 years later, one of the charter members of the NARN and is still here broadcasting almost every Saturday, uh, I've been grateful to, uh, that he's been the staple of the of the uh, of the Narn franchise, of course, King Banyan has been a charter member as well. Now he had to take some time away, a couple of different election cycles back in twenty ten and in twenty twelve, okay, because he was running for state house. Otherwise, you know, he and Mitch have been here since day one, and we've had a lot of guys that have come and gone. Of course, the power line guys, uh, John Hinderocker and Scott Johnson, uh, Fratcher's Libertas guys, uh, Brian St. Paul Ward and and Chad the Elder, uh, Michael Broadcorb was here once upon a time. He wasn't here from the very beginning, but he and King Banyan teamed up to do a show, uh, The Final Word, when they split it up into three different two-hour shows on Saturday. And, you know, a lot of guys have come and gone. And, you know, I can't tell my story getting on the Northern Alliance Radio Network with about, without giving a shout-out to Brian St. Paul Ward, because I still remember the time. It was 
State Fair 2007. I would go on Saturday, the most insane time to go to the Minnesota State Fair, but I would go on Saturday because I wanted to see the Narn guys. And I got to know them on a personal level, got to hang out with them at Keegan's. We'd go to Thursday Night Trivia and when there'd be blogger parties and whatever else. And Brian was a guy that, you know, he and I were the same age. And I remember it was uh, the State Fair, the first Saturday, 2007, they had on then St. Paul Mayor Randy Kelly, who, yeah, he was a DFLer, but he was a more moderate DFLer. And I think he even endorsed George W. Bush's reelection in 2004. And I actually... In my government class, I volunteered for Randy Kelly's Minnesota House campaign back in the late 80s when he was a legislator. You know, I did it for extra credit for my government class. And so I stepped up to the microphone and and reminisced about that time with him. And after that show, Brian St. Paul Ward came up to me. He says, Brad, I got to tell you, you know, you went on the microphone knowing you were on live radio and you handled yourself with, with such poise and and confidence, the way you were talking on the radio, you know, we like to take rare and well-deserved breaks every once in a while. You ever think of filling in on a show sometime? I'm like, you kidding? Where do I sign up, you know? Because I had filled in a couple of times on the old talk station, AM 1500, on Sunday afternoons when hardly anybody was listening. And so I, I wasn't a complete novice on the radio. Well, Brian remembered that, and two and a half years later, early 2010, John Hinderocker was taking time away, and he and Brian were doing the first team of the Northern Alliance from 11 to 1 on Saturdays, and he invited me to join him at the Sportsman Show at the River Center. And that was my first taste of being on with guys I long admired on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And then Mitch Berg and Ed Morrissey, who were the, who were the headliner editions of the NAR, and they followed immediately 1 to 3, getting to hobnob with them a little bit. Uh, it was a dream come true, and I filled in for a few shows in 2010, and then... In June 2011, Lee Michaels reached out and said, hey, Brad, we're looking to get original programming on Sundays. I know you kind of indicated an interest of having a regular show. Would you like to come on? And the rest, as they say, is history. I've been doing this very time slot, 1 to 3 p.m., for for almost 12 years running now, and it's an honor every time. So, folks, uh, I can't thank you enough for supporting the Northern Alliance Radio Network on AM 1280 The Patriot for 20 years because, again, you don't get a 20-year dominance of weekend talk radio without a strong, loyal listener base, and we have that. And the fact that you welcomed me in almost 13 years ago means a lot, and the fact that I still get to do this means a lot. So I'm just saying all this to say that once we give you the official date, time, and location of the Northern Alliance Radio Network's 20th anniversary party, I hope you come on out. Because I want to see you face-to-face, in person, shake your hand, maybe even give you, you know, the awkward Minnesota bro hug, side hug, or whatever. Uh, I hope you'll indulge us and come on out because that's our opportunity to thank you, the listeners, for 20 years of dominating weekend political talk. And there's no stop sign in front of us yet. So, folks, as always, I've enjoyed it. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. You've heard of Heritage Christian Academy, but why do parents rave about this school? Using words like amazing, excellent, lifelong learner, experienced, blessed. Discover for yourself on Tuesday, March 12th at 7 for a future family open house. Tour the K-12 campus from classrooms to the sports fields. Visit with staff and leadership to answer questions and experience your student's day. Come find out why Heritage Christian Academy. For more information, search Heritage Christian Academy Maple Grove. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Are you sick of all the fancy charts and investment mumbo-jumbo thrown at you to justify the Wall Street fees you're being charged? It's not the size of your nest egg that matters, but rather the income it can produce. Hi, I'm Mitch Lyons, best-selling author and star in a brand new Hollywood documentary called The Retirement Deception. In this film, we traveled over 20,000 miles interviewing real Americans who have retired successfully with a great lifestyle and peace of mind. They share their stories on how they get more retirement income with the same dollar saved, and the money is never at risk if the market crashes. That's right. If the market crashes 30%, you lose nothing. Even the super wealthy are shifting money into this new strategy because it increases their retirement income or can allow them to stop working years sooner. So if you are over 50 and want a bigger, better, stress-free retirement, call today to speak to a specialist and get a free copy of this brand new movie, The Retirement Deception. Call 888-365-1409. This is a $30 value, but when you call today, you get it completely free. So don't delay. Call right now, 888-365-1409. That's 888-365-1409. What is dedication? 
My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. I overdosed on heroin, and I lived. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. My desire to change had finally outweighed my desire to stay the same. I felt powerless for so much of my life. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. For the first time, I, I finally feel like I'm exactly where I should be, where I want to be. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. It's a look at today's most compelling stories and provides responses from key conservatives in media and politics. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. AM 1280, the page.